Awesome. Let's pray again because, Lord Jesus, I need it. <laughs> Do you need it? I need it. Let's pray. Jesus, you are so good, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for who you are. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you. God, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would just help us that you would help us have the mind of Christ today, that we would be able to receive your word today, that we would be able to take it in, Lord Jesus. And, and God, it wouldn't just be another message that we could just say, oh, that was a good message, but it would be tr that it would transform us, that it would truly change the way we see things, the way we think, and the way we behave, that it would make us more like you. God, open our eyes, open our ears. God, be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just can't get over you guys being so far away. I don't, I don't like it. It's, okay. I, I don't like it. I, I guess apparently I'm one of those people who don't like change. Um, <laughs> I'm like, usually, usually if I preach real good, like, you know, like you can, I can almost like slap someone's hand, but this, I'm too far away. You know what we're going to do? Gage, hook me up, man. Can you move this, move this forward for me? Thank you. Engage. you're my buddy, Gage. Thank you. I appreciate it. Ha <laughs> ha. All right. Yes, 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 yes. No. Ooh, let's turn to uh, Luke chapter 15. Today we are continuing our sermon series, Messy. We are talking about messy because sometimes in the church we don't like to deal. We don't like to deal with the life's problems that we have. We like to hide it under the rug. You know that old saying, like sweep it under the rug. And and what happens though when you sweep so many things underneath the rug, you start tripping. You won't pay attention, and you're going to walk, and you're going to trip over that spot in the rug. And so what I encourage people to do is don't sweep it underneath the rug. Don't hide your mess. God is not afraid of your mess. He's not. He is not afraid of your mess. And if other people are judging you for their mess, that's, that's, a, that's them. That God will have to deal with them. But what we need to do is we need to be real with our own stuff. So often we live in denial <laughs> with, our own, with our own issues, and we don't like to talk about necessary tough topics, and we're going to break through that in this series, and we've been talk talking about tough topics, and we're going to get into one today. We're going to talk about the prodigal son, and I believe that the Lord is going to give you the parable of the prodigal son, but we're going to take it from a different viewpoint. So let's read it together, okay, in Luke chapter 15. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, say two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had, and he took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. Say reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the... To, out of the citizens of the country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And when he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose, and he came to the father. But while he was still a long way off, say long way, 
His father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they began to celebrate. Say celebrate. 25. 25. This is often where the story is left off at. But this is really important here. Verse 25. Now his older son, say older son, was in the field and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you. I never disobeyed your command. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed a fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive and he was lost and is found. Father, we just thank you even now for the reading of your word, Lord. And I just thank you, Lord God, let it accomplish what it sets out to do. Let it divide the flesh from the spirit. Help us receive your word today and apply it to our lives in Jesus' name. So this parable is a story that, that Jesus was telling. And uh, I, I love it because a lot of Jesus' parables had to do with like um, uh, objects, maybe had to do with farmland. But he told like like a true life story, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this, this is something that, that can easily happen. And oftentimes when you hear the parable of the prodigal son um, spoken or, or preached, you hear about the son who went away in reckless living. And you know what? We are living in a season right now that, there, that more people are leaving the church than coming into the church overall. There might be some churches that are growing, um, but more churches are having a decline in attendance than any other time. As a matter of fact, um, in America overall, we're about only 10% Christian now, where we used to be a lot more compared to the world. And so we are what they call, we're seeing like it's just going flat and it's declining more and more. Of course, the population is growing, so um, you have to take that into account. However, we see Barna, if you if you if you do church studies, Barna is a person to look at, and he is just talking about how many people are leaving and not coming back. And lots of people are, especially young people. So when we have young people come up and say, "I'm choosing membership, I'm choosing to commit to a local church at 18," that says something about their character because most of uh, friends their age are not making a commitment to anything, let alone Christ and his church. And so it's very important for us to celebrate young people as they come in and to invest into them. However, it's also very important for us to realize that when people leave the church, that doesn't mean we shun them. Okay. And so the father set an example in this story of how loving God is always ready to take us back. When, when that son realized he had reckless living and that his servants were eating better than him, he came to his senses, senses and he came back and God met him. Okay, that has been preached many times. I, if you need that story, go on YouTube and find one because it's been preached a lot. Today, I'm going to focus on scene two. This is 
this story of the older brother has been preached less. It has been preached. It's, nothing's new under the sun, but it's, uh, it's something that we hear about a lot less. Um, so that's what we're going to focus on today because I believe the mindset of the older brother is harder to detect because it remains hidden within the church. It's easy to see the person who backslid and left the church. It's hard to see and notice the person who's backslidden living and staying with inside the church four walls of the building. Come on, somebody, right? And so today we're going to talk about that because so often what happens in church and why people leave the church and get upset with the church is because they see your sin that you think you're hiding and you're pointing out to them what's wrong with them instead of working on yourself, right? And so they're just like, forget it then. I'm just not even going to be a part of it anymore. And so often we don't, we, it's easier for us to look at someone else and figure out what's going on with them instead of take a look in the mirror and figure out what's going on with ourselves. Come on, somebody. Today, we're going to dig into the messy mindset of the elder brother. Say messy mindset. And you know, I'm bringing it to you as an acrostic today. You got your notes. So we're going to go deep into this today. The messy mindset. Number one, a messy mindset is a mad mindset. Say mad. Ooh, some of us are just mad all the time. Have you ever met that person, right? Like maybe you work with that person. It's like no matter what, you could come in, you got your Starbucks, you woke up early, you had your morning devotions, you come into the office all chipper, and there's that mad person, just grumpy, right? And, and it's like, and that you feel their grumpiness all throughout the office, right? Like you can feel it as soon as you hit the door. It's like, whoo, I just got smacked with grumpiness, right? Have you ever met anyone like that? I guarantee there's probably at least one person in your classroom, students, or in your workplace, adults, that have that kind of mindset, mad about everything. You ain't never seen that person smile in your life. Like, you don't even know if they have teeth, right? Like, you, you don't even know. Like, do, can they smile, right? Sometimes, friends, the scary thing is, especially what we have come through with corona, a lot of us have forgotten to smile because we've been wearing masks for a really long time, right? And we have forgotten how to have the joy of the Lord. I used to call them, and I still do call them, I call them Eeyore Christians. Y'all remember Winnie, Winnie the Pooh, Eeyore? Eeyore Christians. Hey, brother so-and-so, how you doing? Oh, man. I'm here, but I ain't feeling good, and I got this going on, and, and man, things are, just pray for me, nothing's going right, and I'm not saying that we're not supposed to be real when we're going through things, we are, but friends, can we get the joy of the Lord again? Do we always have to be mad? Come on. So, the, so here's the older son. It says, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. At this point, it seemed like it was a little anticlimactic, right? There could be little doubt, though, that in the hearer's mind, though the muttering, I almost called it muttering mindset, because usually people who are mad, they mutter too, right? Always got something to say. The muttering elder son was an illustration of the muttering Pharisees and teachers of the law who found no pleasure in repentance and sinners because of their self-righteousness. While Jesus described the wayward son, they were probably disgusted by his actions. How could he? How could he take his, his father's money before it was time? How could he even be down there with pigs? That's against our laws to even be around animals. And he's sitting there wanting to eat their food. How could he? Oh, he's going to. That's what he gets. We, have you ever been like that? Got so mad at somebody. You're like, you're happy when they have a downfall. You don't have to raise your hand, but we all know that we've been there. We got some honest people in the front row. Come on, y'all. Keep it real. I mean, just like, hey, get them, God. Oh, Lord. <clears throat> These young people, I feel like sometimes the only thing they've learned from me is the get them, God prayers. But what they don't realize, 
is all those times I was praying for God to get somebody, God usually turned around and got me instead. Right? And so often, our anger reflects something deeper going on underneath the surface. It's like the tip of an iceberg, that anger. It's like, that's all you see. But underneath the surface, there's so much. You're dealing with rejection. You're dealing with insecurity. You're dealing with pride. You're dealing with unrepentant sin. And it just comes out as anger. I, I, I'm going to tell you, I have authority to preach on anger because that is the number one sin I struggle with. And I have to, and listen, anger in itself, friends, that's not sin. You've heard me say that before. That's an emotion, okay, just like happiness. But what we do in our anger can be sin. And oftentimes, my anger turns into muttering, <laughs> turns into complaining, turns into telling someone about themselves, usually just like my kids. But <laughs> still, like even in that, even when I have to discipline my children, I shouldn't be disciplining them in anger. But it's so easy. It's so easy to let that thing take over you. And usually what it does is it takes a hold of you and it makes you a prisoner to your own anger. It's really not affecting them as much as it's affecting you. My pastor's wife, uh, Shannon, she used to tell me, no one can, because I'm like, they just made me so mad. No one can make you, no one can make you mad. No one can make you angry. They can just reveal the anger that's already in you. Oh, it's so annoying when people are right, you know? <laughs> But isn't it? It's true. And we have to deal with this because if not, it will put a wedge between you and the people you love. Because I'm going to tell you right now, you wonder why no one calls you and asks you how you're doing? You're wondering why you're struggling all by yourself and it seems like you have no friends? Maybe it's because you have a mad mindset. Maybe it's because, let me tell you a secret, maybe people are scared of you. Like, try smiling. It works. <laughs> Truly. Seriously, like for real. Thanks, Gage. <laughs> Let's get rid of that mad mindset. Always upset, always frustrated, always looking to, to, to get a chip on our shoulder about something. Another mindset that the elder brother had that we too often have and then we hide it in the church is called an entitlement mindset. Ooh, can all the parents say, amen, preach it, pastor. An entitlement mindset. Come on, do any of you have kids in the house today? The entitlement mindset. Lord. The entitlement mindset is common in our generation and not just among young people, unfortunately. You see some grown folks entitled. How dare you change the paint of the church without talking to me about entitled much? Like... <laughs> the entitlement mindset is common is a mindset that thinks something is owed to you. It believes that you deserve what you want and you have the right to it no matter what. No matter what. It is owed to you and you deserve it. You don't have to work for it. It's just, it's yours because you want it. That's an entitlement mindset. And whoo, the elder brother, he did not rejoice with his dad about restoring his younger brother. Instead, he told him, he answered his father this way. He said, look at these many years I've served you. I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me even a young goat. See, uh, a fattened calf, that was like way better than a young goat. I mean, hello, I've had goat in Jamaica. I did it for my friends. It wasn't my favorite. It wasn't terrible. But I'm a, I would pick a hamburger any day over a goat. You know what I'm saying? 
a steak? Come on, somebody. Who doesn't want that? So here he is saying, I didn't even get a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came and devoured your property with, with prostitutes, you killed a fattened calf for him. So if they killed a fattened calf in those days, it really was a party. The whole village was invited because it didn't happen often. Okay? It was like Thanksgiving. Like everybody's coming over. And he says, this is the thing, friends. When we constantly compare ourselves with other people and we cannot rejoice in their accomplishments and their victories, we better watch out. We better watch out because we can become entitled. Entitlement mindset is it, it, it's it cares more about it cares more about what you can give me instead of being with you. It's it's like the prayers, God, we want your hand, but we don't want your face. We want your we want your stuff, but we don't want everything, we don't want your presence. We want your possessions, but we don't want your presence. We want your blessings. But we don't really care about spending time with you. The elder brother was complaining, saying, you did all this for everybody else. Uh, you did this for, for the other son. But here I am. And, and, and he cared more about the father's possessions, him killing a fatted calf, than his brother coming to repentance. Or let's put it this way. He cared more about his possessions than he cared about being in the presence of the father inside the party. How many of us are standing back and we're not truly entering in God's presence where there's fullness of joy? Because we're too concerned about what he can do for us today. Possessions. I'm telling you, uh, <laughs> the Lord showed us so often that the American idol really is possessions. It's that American dream. Got to have more. Got to have bigger. And we work so hard for more and more and more that we forget about the presence of God and it being the most important thing. That's an entitlement mindset, friends. The older brother refused to join the father. He refused to be in his presence at the feast. This was a sign. He didn't care about his father's presence. He only cared about his possessions. And we got to be careful not to have that mindset. Another mindset that the older brother had was a spiteful mindset. Woo! Spiteful. Have you ever felt, felt like you wanted to do it? It is a fun word. Like, I, I just actually heard somebody recently say, I mean, I'm just going to do it out of spite. And I thought, ooh. Get him, God. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Because guess what? When we just want to do something out of spite, you are going to get God. <laughs> that's not good English, but that's good preaching. Come on, somebody. <laughs> a, spot, a spiteful mindset deliberately desires to hurt and offend somebody. It is vindicated and rooted in bitterness and jealousy. Right? Comparing ourselves to other people. Oh, not being happy when people have an accomplishment, not celebrating with people. If you can never celebrate with someone, man, that shows something about yourself. If you're constantly comparing yourself with other people, man, we got to be careful with this stuff. And listen, we live in a generation now, and listen, it's not just young people, man. There's more boomers on Facebook than anyone else. Let's keep it real, right? Always like, oh, look at their vacation. Look at their kids, man. Their kids are well-behaved. What about my kids? <laughs> listen, we're looking at someone else's highlight wheel and comparing it to our behind-the-scene mess. Most people don't put, oh, man, guess what I did before I went to church this morning? I had to clean up four piles of poop from my dog, bless the Lord. I ain't going to show you that. I'm not going to take a picture of his poop and put it on Facebook. I might eventually take a picture of my cute puppy and put it on Facebook. But no one wants to show you the mess that they're dealing with. And here we are having this spiteful mindset to someone else because we think they have it better than us, but you only know this much about them. And sometimes even the people we think we know the most about, you still only know this much about them. You don't know how, what people are going through, what they're feeling. 
And yet we're so quick to judge somebody. We're so quick to be bitter and jealous of somebody and, and form that spiteful mindset. And we have to be careful. We have to be willing to say, God, check me, search me. So be careful because that's a mindset of the older brother, and we don't want that. Another mindset of the older brother, and ooh, I like this one, a slave mindset. This is what I mean by this. Interesting, both brothers thought of themselves with a slave mindset, but they handle it differently. Okay? The younger brother realized his father's servant had it better than him, was willing to humble himself and even become a servant in order to get, to get back into relationship with the father. The older brother, well, he never physically left his father's home, yet he viewed his work as slavery instead of a privilege and a calling. I mean, it really will. Come on, somebody. He viewed his work as slavery instead of a privilege and a calling. Man, if we start serving God out of obligation and because we have to, we need to stop back and just stop. Because that is not, God does not call us to be slaves. He calls us to be sons and daughters. He does call us to serve. Every single Christian is called to serve. But you better check your attitude about how you're serving. Because, if we're, because you can be lost and never leave the church. The older brother was lost but never left the church. But his heart was far from God. We have to be so careful. See, the Pharisees, they displayed the slaves, works, good deeds only attitude found in Luke 18, 9 through 14, uh, 14 this parable we just read. The Pharisees, actually, there's another parable right here in Luke 18. And that's the Pharisee who thanks God that he's not like the humble tax collector. He lists all his righteous accomplishments. Some of you guys might remember this parable, right? So it was the Pharisee. He goes into the temple and he begins to pray. And he's like, thank God. I, I tithe and I do all these good things and I'm awesome, basically. God, you're so blessed to have me. You got to deal with me, God. Yeah, I'm awesome. Thank God I'm not like that person over there who cheat on their taxes and talk mean to their wife. <sighs> no, man, when we think we're good because we're better than someone else, we better be careful. We better be careful. This is how, this is the Pharisees had this, like, uh, they, they could do better they, the, by what they do. They, they thought they could get saved by having all these good deeds. And listen, that's why the Protestant Reformation happened. It was a protest against the way the church were doing things, selling indulgences and saying, hey, you can buy your salvation by doing something good like giving the church money. You cannot buy your salvation. We had to receive it through grace by faith in Christ Jesus. We receive it through faith by grace in Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody. But so often, still, even in the Protestant church, we act like we're Catholics and we have to do penance. Come on, somebody. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this up. I'm going to work really hard. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to earn my way to heaven. <sighs> However, but when you really have an attitude of Christ Jesus, Philippians said he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. That he put others before himself. A great example of this is found in the Moravian missionaries. Can I nerd out for just a second? I'm going to be on this one just a little longer. Let me nerd out for just a little second. Come on. Let me nerd out. I knew you would love it. If no one else likes it, you will. Thank you, Jeremy. 
So the Moravians missionaries, they sold themselves into slavery. I've heard about the Moravians before, but I'm taking a church history course right now, and I got to hear a little bit more about them. The Moravians, actually, they're, they were Protestants before Lutherans. They just weren't as popular. Actually, they can trace themselves back to the Catholic um, martyr, John Huss, who was martyred. Um, and they started kind of in the Czech area, and, the, and through persecution, they finally got to Germany, Germany in the Middle Ages. And around here, um, they were, like I said, less known than Lutherans and, and some of the other early Reformed denominations. But they were powerful because they gave everything. Matter of fact, some of the young people in Germany who were in the Moravian church sold themselves into slavery so that they can win indigenous people in, different, in, in America and Africans. Sold themselves into slavery. And when we got on that boat, they had this famous scene that the, the let, me, let me read it to you so I don't mess it up. It was, a, it was a saying that they had, that the lamb who was slain may receive the reward of his sufferings. Look it up. Jesus, help us be like the Moravians, not like the elder brother. Help us view ourselves as sons and daughters who are willing to serve, who are willing to be, as Paul said, Slaves of Christ, obedient to your calling to the very end, but view it as an honor and a privilege, not as a duty. God, we just thank you for, for opening our eyes to this in Jesus' name. Amen. Number five, if you have a mindset like the older brother, well, then you probably have <laughs> a you problem, a you problem mindset. Listen, I had to make something. I'm going to get in here and it's going to get good. You're like, what's a you problem? I see people like, what's a you problem? I want you to picture you problem in a Pastor Earl voice. Okay? That's a you problem. I probably can't. My daughter can do Pastor Earl's voice way better than I can. But that's a you problem. That's something what Pastor Earl would say. If somebody would come complaining about everything to Pastor Earl and trying to put it on him, he would say, man, that's a you problem. And this is, this friends in the, so I said, let me look it up in the Urban Dictionary. What does that really mean? <laughs> you know, we got the Webster's Dictionary, but we also got the Urban Dictionary. We got to look up every once in a while. And uh, especially when you have teenagers, you don't know what they're talking about. So uh, a you problem. This is what it means. It's a problem that you should own. It's a problem that you should own and that you shouldn't share. If someone tells you that you're, you have a you problem, they probably mean no one cares. <laughs> Okay, now I'm going to bring this back around to you, okay, in psychology. In psychology, what a you problem is, it's projection. That's what it is. I'm going to read to you from, uh, from a journal. I actually have a source here. I don't know if it made your notes, but if you want it, I can give it to you. Projection is unconsciously employed by the ego and involves the process of attributing unwanted emotions you don't like onto someone else. Rather than admitting that it exists within yourself. Sounds like a you problem, right? Projecting. It includes, listen to this, blame shifting and falsely accusing others of wrongdoing. One particular example of this, which has been proven by research, would be a man who cheats on his spouse with a colleague but suspects his wife of being unfaithful and accuses her of infidelity, infidelity instead. I've seen people in situations of, of, of that where their adultery is happening, where they, they um, villainize the person who was faithful. That sounds like they're projecting. That's a you problem. Projection is commonly adopted mechanism 
that distorts reality from how it is. You hear that? It distorts reality from how it is. It externalizes a person's negative qualities and traits on outside of forces, which do not necessarily have to be even another person. See, blame could be directed toward the environment, the government, society, even an inanimate objects. For instance, teenagers who think that, that, that his car is so embarrassing and projects by believing that's why women will not date him. It's a you problem, not your car problem. It's projecting. <clears throat> I'm just saying, I was a teenager and I had a hoopty and I never had a problem with that, so whatever. <laughs> it operates on personal and intentional levels that has been warned against for thousands of years with Jesus remarking it this way. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your eye? Woo! Say, that's a, don't look to your neighbor. Look to yourself and say, that's a you problem. Joy, that's a you problem. That is a you problem. We project our issues onto other people because we don't want to deal with it ourselves. And the elder brother was projecting his issues on the younger brother and on his father because he didn't want to deal with his own mindset that was far from God, even though he was in proximity with the, with the father. He was far away from him and his heart. And we got to be careful. We must deal with our mess, friends. We got to start looking at ourselves. We got to get that plank out of our eye. We got to deal with our own issues, our own anger, our own insecurity, our own jealousy, our own comparing to everybody else, our own sinful addictions and lustful habits that we justify and make excuses about instead of dealing with them. Because if you do that long enough, if you justify your sin long enough and make excuses long enough, you might be able to hide it from other people. Friends, God sees everything. He sees into the secret places of our heart. And it's better for us to be real and just say, man, I got this mess. God, get before him. Find a trusted person you can pray with. Confess your sin to one another so that you can be healed. And find your freedom. Find your deliverance. Deal with your issues instead of continuing to make excuses. I have a shirt. Lost in the laundry somewhere. I've been looking for it for a couple days now. I want to wear it today. It says prayer, fasting, deliverance, therapy, all of it. And guess what? As your pastor up here, I'm going to tell you, I've done every single one of them. Every single one of them. Prayer, fasting, deliverance, therapy, whatever it takes to have wholeness in my life, I'm going to do it. And I'm not going to be ashamed of it because I'm not perfect because I got a lot of you problems I got to deal with. Instead of trying to make them a you, your problems, I'm trying to deal with them. And I'm trying to work through them through the grace of God. And all of us need to do that. Instead of projecting your you problems onto somebody else, we need to just get real. Amen. The older brother never got real and he missed out on celebrating with the father. The Bible says that when one lost sinner comes back to the Lord, the angels stop what they're doing in heaven and they rejoice. But the older brother missed out. The younger brother, he, he had reckless living, but he got back in right relationship with the father. We never see if the older brother did. He sat outside sulking, upset, mad, jealous, angry, bitter, spiteful. Lord, help us. Amen. We must deal with our messy mindsets in the church or we could keep the prodigals from coming back home. And we can be lost right within the four walls 
of our church. Would you bow your heads with me today, friends? You are worthy, Lord. You are good. Mm. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. How many of you guys just felt convicted from the Lord today? Would you just raise your hand before him with, with everybody else's eyes closed and heads bowed? If you felt convicted, that means you felt like God talked to you today and you're like, man, I need to apply that to my life. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Would you guys stand up to your feet? Not everybody, everybody of you guys could just stand up to your feet. So often when we feel um, convicted from the Lord, and especially within church, like we don't take time to actually just ask the Lord to forgive us. Just right in your seat where you're at right now, you know what you're dealing with. If you know that there's something that, that, that was spoken today that you're like, man, I, I got some jealousy. I got some anger. I got some bitterness. I'm, I'm offended at somebody right now. Ask the Lord to forgive you. in your own mind before the Lord. He can hear your thoughts. Or if you want to whisper, he can hear your whispers. just be done with it. And the Lord say, will you, we have a little, can you have a little bit more compassion? Can you ask me for a little bit more love towards them? Can you not give up? If that's you today, and you found yourself having more of an attitude like the older brother instead of like the father, towards somebody who has been out there. Would you just raise your hand before the Lord? He knows who you are. And, and friends, I'm raising my hand. That's I, I have been in that position where I'm just getting frustrated with trying and, and being patient with people. And God's like, man, be a little bit more like me. Have a little bit more compassion. Remember when you were eating with the pigs. How long it took. How many people dropped seeds. How many people loved you while you were in your mess. How many people prayed for you that you didn't even know about? Father, I pray that you would help us as a church commit to being more like the father and less like the older brother. Help us commit to praying and watching. The Bible says, watch and pray. Let us watch and pray, Lord God, for that person to return. Let us believe by faith that they're coming back home. And let us celebrate. Help us get rid of our bitterness towards them because they hurt us, they offended us. God, remind us that their sin against us is not really against us, but it's against you. Come on, somebody. Jesus. 
God, we pray right now for our lost sons and our lost daughters who are out there in reckless living, Lord. Forgive us for being like the older brother and giving up and not caring and being bitter, being jealous, being angry. God, help us be like the father with open arms, watching and waiting for them to return. Jesus, for those of us who've been in this place, who've cared more about your possessions and not enough about your presence, Lord, convict us. We want your presence, Lord. We want to be like the Moravians who count it an honor to serve you. Thank you, Jesus. If you need extra prayer, I will be glad to pray for you, but I'm going to ask Pastor Josh to bless us out today with the blessing that he, from the Bible that he does every week. So if you want to receive this blessing from the Lord, would you just raise your hands before the Lord? Might as well sing it. Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face toward you and give you peace. Thank you, Jesus, Lord. We receive your blessing. We receive your grace and we receive your peace. And Lord, we choose to give it away to other people as well. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. If you need extra prayer, I'll be glad to pray for you.